How about one more hand clap? For the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. Hallelujah. You may have a seat. And as you're finding your seat, if you will find your Bible, your sword, your weapon, if it's electronic or the good old-fashioned paper kind. Hallelujah. Cut down a tree, make a Bible. Hallelujah. Let's chop off some devil's heads. Na, 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 na. Not bad, a little weak. Well, if you get the idea what we're doing here, repeat after me. This Bible has the power to change my life, to change my city. I can do what this Bible says I can do. I'll be a history maker and a world shaker. This Bible's a truth detector, a sin deflector, a faith inflator. I'm going to read it now. I'm going to read it later. If you really, really believe that, give Jesus a shout and a hand clap. Let me know we're in the right place. Hallelujah. As you know, we just said Pastor John is out of town on the nail. Uh, I'm the associate pastor, associate bus driver, associate youth pastor, if Travis will let me. Uh, I'm the guy that replaced the guy with the ponytail that used to be here. Uh, my name is Pastor Mike. Hallelujah. I'm going to continue a series Pastor's been talking about called Attention Getters. Pastor was going through the Bible and will continue to do next week, looking for people in the Bible that got God's attention. What they were doing, what it was that God just moved in their life and did great things through them. I'm going to continue that, a message entitled, The Steps of Faith. Let's say that together. The Steps of Faith. We're going to talk about a man who the Bible called the father of faith, who is Abraham, the father of faith. You look in Hebrews chapter 11, it's called the hall of faith. It's has people in there that have great things for God. If you would go to like a football or a baseball hall of fame, you would walk through that building and you would see portraits of people that were great athletes. You'd see memorabilia. You'd see all kinds of things to kind of remember who they were and the great things they did. When you look in Hebrews chapter 11, it's like walking down a hallway and seeing these pictures of these great men and women of God. As a matter of fact, it names 16 of them by name and referenced many others. 18 times in that chapter, the verse starts, by faith. In other words, by faith, Noah prepared an ark. By faith, Abraham offered up Isaac. By faith, Moses forsook Egypt. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. By faith, women received their dead back to life. And it was all by faith. And I wonder, in this congregation, by faith. I'm believing, by faith, Linnell will be healed from this cancer in Jesus' name. I'm believing by faith people like Amy McCarty will be able to eat again and live life again and not spend their time in the, all the time in the hospital. Amen. By faith, at the end of this service, some people are going to get set free from some things. Amen. And by faith, whatever it is, fill in the blank what you need today. I am believing for an open heaven yeah. that you don't have to beg or, or, or rub something together. You just got to say, yes, God. Amen. And it'll, your need will be met in Jesus' name. Hebrews 12, we start the chapter right after the hall of faith, all these great men and women of God. It's therefore, it says, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. You picture like a stadium, and life is the playing field. We have all those people that went before us that are in those stands. They're cheering for us, say, you can do it. Matter of fact, if we got real quiet, you'd probably hear them say, 
Don't give up. It's worth the prayers. It's worth the pain. It's worth the sweat. It's worth the tears. It's worth anything you go through on this life to get to that other side. It's worth it. It really is. And it goes on to say, because we have this great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our what? Our faith. You know, there's a six-year-old sitting in a classroom, and the teacher wanted to make a point about evolution, teaching evolution. And so she tells little Tommy, Tommy, uh, do you see that tree outside that window? Tommy goes, yes, I see that tree. She said, well, do you see the grass out there? Yes, I see the grass. He said, I want you to go outside and look up and see if you see the sky. So he goes out, looks up, comes back in. So what would you see? Oh, I saw the sky. And then she asked, did you see God? And he said, no, I didn't see God. She said, that's my point. God's not out there. He doesn't exist. And so a little girl named Sally raised her hand and said, Teacher, could I ask him some questions? She said, well, go ahead. She said, Tommy, do you see the tree? I said, yes. Do you see the grass? Yes. Did you see the sky? Yes. Do you see the teacher? Yes. Do you see her brain? No. She said, well, that's what we're being taught today. Evidently, she doesn't have a brain. <laughs> Amen. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Let's talk about Abraham, Genesis 15, verse 4. Behold the word. He just had a, a, a big battle before this. But behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who is from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven. Count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. He believed. It wasn't that Abraham did all these things. He just believed and God said, you're righteous because you believed. Faith, he believed. If you want to get God's attention, you have to have faith. Hebrews eleven six. 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please God. For you must believe that he is and he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, just as we use money to acquire natural goods and services, faith is the currency of heaven. Money in itself, you can take a few dollar bills out, it's not going to provide shelter for you. Uh, you can eat them, it's not going to satisfy your hunger, it's not going to quench your thirst, it's not going to be medicine for any kind of a sickness. But yet, it's what money is that empowers you to get things that are important. It gives you that power to get those things. So it is with faith. On its own, it doesn't have much. But with faith, you can literally touch and access a realm of God, His angels, every resource that's necessary, that's available to us through Him. It's available. As a matter of fact, when faith is released, heaven enters the room. When faith is released, heaven enters the room. When faith, what do we want to believe for right now? We could put a demand on God right now. Hmm, we could just stand in this a minute. Faith. Michael Myers says this, senior pastor of River Church in Southwest England. Through over 30 years of ministering, the word I have heard people angry with God because they get no response from Him because they are trying to move Jesus with their pain, their tears, their need, their hardship, their self-righteousness, their works, their sense of entitlement. Others that refuse to operate in faith toward him, as he sets out in his word, have told me it doesn't matter because he understands. He knows what I mean. He knows I'm his child. He loves me, so he'll answer me. 
These are lazy quips of evangelicals who can't be bothered to find out how to operate in the Spirit. Their attack on the word of faith that Paul said he preached brings upon themselves self-inflicted blindness. Faith moves God. Faith is the currency in the realm of heaven. Pretty strong words. God can turn water into wine, but he can't do anything with whiners. It, I mean, you can whine all you want. It's not going to pull anything out of heaven. It's by faith that you, God responds. Look at the currency of faith in ordinary people's lives in this word of God. Matthew 9, 2. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be a good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. And the paralytic was healed. Matthew 9, 22. Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. The woman was made well from that hour. Matthew 9, 29. And he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, let it be unto you. Matthew 15, 28. When Jesus answered and said to her, A woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. Your daughter was healed from that very hour. Luke 7, 50. And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Luke 17, 19. And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And there's a whole bunch more of that. I was once told, if you want power, read the red and pray for an hour. That reads those words of Jesus in there. And he says, by faith. Think about Abraham. He got a promise 25 years goes by. He still hasn't seen his son. He still hasn't seen it. How long have you been waiting for some sort of a miracle or an answer for God? Man, it's been three months. I don't know if I can wait anymore. It's been a year. It's been three years. There's people in this place that have been believing for a long time for some husbands to change, a long time for a healing to come. Some of you spend too much time communicating at this level. When you communicate at this level, bounce it off God. He'll change your heart. Abraham, every day he gets up, he's reminded, geez, I think I'm a little older. A little more aches, a few more pains, not feeling like he was. I mean, every day he's being reminded the condition's getting worse. The odds are getting slim. He looks at his wife. She's getting a little older. She's got a few more wrinkles. Could hold a three-day reign with some of those wrinkles. Just really getting older and older. He didn't like that one, ladies. The facts said, no way, it's impossible. Every day is your mind. Look what it says in Romans 4. This is his response. This is the message version. We call Abraham father, not because, because he got God's attention by living like a saint, but because God made something out of Abraham when he was a nobody. Isn't that what we've always read in Scripture? God saying to Abraham, I set you up as father of many peoples. Abraham was first named father and then became a father because he dared to trust God to do what only God could do. Raise the dead to life with the word, make something out of nothing. When everything was hopeless, Abraham believed anyway, deciding to live not on the basis of what he saw he couldn't do, but on what God said he would do. And so he was made father of a multitude of peoples. God himself said to him, you're going to have a big family, Abraham. Abraham didn't focus on his own impotence and say it's hopeless. This hundred-year-old body could never father a child. Nor did he survey Sarah's decades of infertility and give up. He didn't tiptoe around God's promises, asking cautiously skeptical questions. He plunged into the promise and came up strong, ready for God, sure that God would make good on what he had said. That's why it said Abraham was declared fit before God by trusting God to set him right. But it's not just Abraham, it's us also. Look at your neighbor, say it's you too. 
The same thing gets said about us when we embrace and believe the one who brought Jesus to life. When the conditions were equally hopeless. The sacrifice Jesus made us fit for God, set us right with God. Does anybody have a TiVo out there? Record events, TV shows? Does anybody have the hopper? That just sounds like a good, I'm, I don't have it, but man, 25, 50 shows, record them all at once. Like we've got enough time to do that. I know Pastor Nick, he's kind of partial to the Mississippi Bulldogs, and so he likes to watch their football games. But Saturdays, he's preparing, you know, getting ready for worship and getting his team together, making sure the sound's good. So he pre-records his game. And then that night, if I'm looking up scores, he, don't tell me the score, don't tell me the score. He doesn't want to find out because he wants to watch it live. Now, let's say you record your team. First of all, I don't, when people say, hey, my team won, I don't quite, did you play for that team? Uh, do you own that team? But, you know, we all do that. Based on where we grew up, I mean, the Cornhuskers are my team. I didn't play with them. But they're kind of my team or our parents who they had. We all want to be something bigger than we are. Any hogs out there? But how about the church? I mean, that's bigger than we are. We can be in here an individual, but yet collectively we can touch the nations. We can see a city come to God collectively. But let's say you record the Super Bowl and you have an investment in this game. Why? Because maybe you have a family member that's playing. Maybe you're a part owner. Maybe you made a little wager with the boys or something. But you have an investment. So you want to know the outcome if your team wins. But now you record it and accidentally, inadvertently, you find out the score. You somehow went on Facebook to chat something and boom, there was a score. Or you're walking through the mall and there's a TV, you see a news, the score, and you find out. Now when you go to watch that game, knowing your team has already won, are you going to watch it any differently? Matter of fact, if they play terrible the first half, are you going to start sweating any? Matter of fact, the darker it gets, you might get a little more excited because you know there's going to be a turnaround. You know there's going to be some miraculous thing happen because you know your team wins. So you have the knowledge and confidence that no matter what, what you look at, you know there's victory coming. And you start anticipating that miracle. And you have confidence because you're watching the game backwards. I mean, from the perspective, you already know the end. The only thing remaining is how it's going to happen. Okay? The moment you find out your team has won, winning stopped being a possibility. It stopped being a hope, and it became a fact. And wouldn't it be, that's the way faith is. Wouldn't it be silly to be watching that game and just sweating? I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, you know what's going to happen. Faith is like watching a pre-recorded sporting event. You watch the players sweat. You watch them strain. There's moments when things look great, moments when things don't look so good. But at the end, it's all irrelevant because we know who wins. Anybody read this? Do you see who wins? We win. We really do. And not just we have victory when, because believers go to heaven, but we're talking about believers, heaven coming to earth. Believers will lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Nothing is impossible for God. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. No weapon formed against me will prosper. There's promises in this word and there's one that will fit your situation. The knowledge of a victory that gives us faith is based on a knowing word from God. God wants to communicate with us. He wants to give you a word for your particular situation, your particular problem. But 
put some faith out there. You know, sometimes not just while I'm believing you go through life. I'm telling you, maybe get your Bible out with a pen and a notebook beside it and kind of like a lightning rod, God saying, ooh, I think he really wants something. I mean, he's actually going to write it down and not just let it go through one ear and out the other. That thought he gets, he's going to meditate on it. He's going to get some sort of a thought and he might just write it down. I want to communicate to him so he's so hard of hearing. Or he's not even hard of hearing, he just won't stop. I'm talking to me. Stop long enough. And that's my hard time. I can pray and talk to God, but then when it comes time to stop and be quiet and listen, that's my challenge. And you know, when things get tough enough, I'll stop and I'll listen. And God will communicate. He's faithful. He wants to do that to you. Speak a word to you. Because faith is a result of, a God, of God speaking the outcome to our heart. And when we hear the outcome, we know the outcome. Our daughter, when I got saved, four days later, our daughter was born. Two and a half months premature. And I'm trying to think, I need to talk to God. I need a miracle. I mean, we're having a baby. Too. I don't know what I'm going to walk into. And I go to this phone booth, and I try to call this priest I knew who walked on the sidelines of the football uh, field when we were playing in San Antonio. I tried to call this pastor. He didn't answer. I tried to call this guy. I was just one of those guys full of God that I, you just sensed God all over him. I couldn't get a hold of anybody. And I walk out of that phone book, and I look down the hallway, and there's a cross over a door, and it's a chapel. I go in there. I just said my best, God help me. I mean, before I knew God, when I would pray and need something, I, the prayer I knew, because I learned it through football, our Father who art in heaven. And I'd say it real slow and try to mean it all I could. And I don't know what prayer I said. It would just help me, God. I walked out of there, and I had this feeling, this thought, that I didn't even realize then it was everything's going to be all right. But it so stuck with me, every day I'd tell my wife. Because the doctors every day would tell us that your daughter will not walk or talk. I mean, they did surgery, drilled a hole in her skull, put in a shunt. And every day, she'll not walk or talk. But every day I would tell my wife, I don't know, but everything's going to be all right. And that was a word God gave me. I didn't even realize it at the time. But it just stuck with me. And that's how God speaks. He th speaks to your thought process, but he can make it come alive. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let's talk about the steps of faith. Romans 4, I'm just going to go to verse 12. Skip over one of these verses. Talking about Abraham, the father of circumcision, to those who not only are of the circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of faith, which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. Here's what I want you to catch out of that. It doesn't say we have to walk in the steps of Abraham. We don't have to measure up to Abraham. We have to walk in the steps of the faith of Abraham. Well, we just got to believe. And maybe your believer's not working. See, we got this little thing in us called our believer. We've been given a seed of faith, a mustard seed, to be able to believe. Maybe you need your believer kind of jump-started today so you can believe again. Amen. Romans 4 and 5. We're talking about it's not by works, it's by faith. When people work, their pay is not given as a gift, but as something earned. But people cannot do anything that will make them right with God. So they must trust Him who makes even evil people right in His sight. Then God accepts their faith, and that makes them right with God. So picture faith like a series of steps. Each step represents a letter. Like the F on the word faith stands for fights. Say fights. Say faith fights. 
So that's the thing about faith. It'll fight for you. Faith fights fear. Faith fights facts. And faith fights fatalism. Faith fights fear. First of all, faith and fear cannot coexist. They cannot be in the same place. Just like you turn on the lights, the darkness goes. There's not an arm wrestle. Lights come on, boom, darkness goes. And if, matter of fact, if, faith, if fear is knocking at that door, if I send faith to go answer it, when faith opens the door, there's not going to be anybody there. Jack Coe says it this way. If you have worry, you don't have faith. If you have faith, you don't have worry. Which do you want? You know, fear can keep us up all night, but faith is a pretty sweet pillow. Mm-hmm. When you really believe, God can protect you. When you really believe, God can provide for you. When you really believe that God can put you in the palm of his hand and nobody can pluck you out, you're going to sleep at night. Yeah. Meditate on that a minute. Faith fights the facts. Not only fights fear, it fights the facts. Abraham was 100 years old, his body as good as dead, the Bible says. When our baby was born, Amanda, they said these CAT scans these electronic images, and they would show us and say, see, there's not enough gray matter in the brain, and so that's why she's not going to walk or talk. You need to prepare yourself. Two months in the hospital, and surgeries, and on, you know, 100% oxygen, and all these things going on. And we finally brought her home after two months, and I was off, you know, somewhere else in a football game, and my wife brings her baby home and has complications that very day, and goes out, she calls the hospital, and said, run her to the, run her to the emergency room, bring her in. And she goes out, tires flat on the car. And she's trying to, who do I know around here? We're in San Antonio. She remembered there was a football player's wife. She called her and she said, hey, I'll be right over to pick you up. This is one of those spirit-filled, tongue-talking, believe in God for anything kind of women. And my wife, all that she known at that point was religion. Raised Catholic, I was raised Lutheran and had a good foundation. But for both of us, it was just head knowledge. But four days before this, that the, this process started, I'd ask Christ into my life and start a personal relationship. And my wife saw the change in me. But this lady, all the way to the hospital, said this, you have to pray believing. You have to pray believing. You have to pray believing. By my time my wife got there, guess what? Her believer came alive. She started believing. To the point where we got down in the holding room and they had our baby scrubbed. The doctors were scrubbed. They did one more CAT scan. They're, and they're ready to do surgery. My wife breaks down and starts crying, think, thinking, I, didn't really th I really didn't think they were going to do the surgery. And then they come in and they said, they kind of looked puzzled and said, well, we're not going to do the surgery. And we're thinking, is that good or bad? And the nurse said, well, tell them what else. Well, we took another CAT scan and, and just, the CAT scans look different. I mean, we, we probably should do the surgery, but things look different. And so we're just not going to do the surgery. And we had a few other bumps in a row, but I'm telling you, our daughter's 29 years old. God healed her, did a miracle. I'm telling you, faith fights the facts. Faith always trumps facts. It really can. Faith fights fatalism. Fatalism is that thought that is just up to fate. You know, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. I can't really affect anything. I'm just going down life. God, if you want to do something great, if not, yeah, that's just the way it's going to be. Faith fights statements like, well, if it's meant to be. Faith fights statements like, well, if it's God's will to heal me, it's God's will. He said it right here. When he hung on that cross, it was not just to be saved. Like for those people that came up today and asked Christ in their life, you're saved. 
God will never leave you. Never if you're serious with God, he'll serious with you. But you know what? It says, by his stripes we were healed. That means those whippings he took across his back with the cat of nine tails or the piece of metal or glass at the end of every one of those leather strands. They do studies on cadavers, on dead people. After 20 whippings, they say their organs are exposed. 40, I mean, all the lashes he took on his back, he, by his stripes we were healed. 2,000 years. It is his will. But we got to fight through this demonic atmosphere over our area. And as a corporate group, begin to press in and, and punch through the heavenlies to see these victories come in Jesus' name. But it's by faith. Faith fights statements like, well, I was just born this way. Or that's just who I am. It's not what God says. God says you'll make you a new creature. There's been people in this room that things were spoken over you. And those words begin to shape you. And you finally begin to believe those words that say, well, I guess I'm always going to be this way. Or the world says, because I act this way, I must be this. And you begin to buy into that. God wants to set you free today. And say, he's got something else for you that's a whole lot better. And if you'll think a minute, there's some of you in this room, what you're in is not good. God wants to set you free from some things today. I believe freedom's coming to some people today. Amen. Freedom for some people in this room. Amen. Drugs, alcohol, fear, a lifestyle you know is not right. Yeah. Today, if you'll just say yes to the Lord. The A in the word faith stands for access to grace. Let's say that together. Access to grace. Here's the verse. Romans 5.1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations produce perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. Verse 1 deals with the past. It says, justified by faith. That means I'm good enough. That means I don't have to uh, impress God or impress anybody else. Justify means just as if I didn't do it. That's what he'll do with your sins as far as the east is from the west. He forgets them. So verse 1 deals with the past. Verse 2 deals with the present. Access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Right now, there's a grace slash supernatural ability. That's what grace is. It's a supernatural ability. So there's a grace right now for me to walk in this godly lifestyle. There's a grace right now for me to accomplish what God's called me to do. There's a grace available that you have to access by faith. And it's for the future in verse 3. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, character, and hope. I'm telling you, there's a grace and a supernatural ability to be all God's called you to be. It's available if you access it by faith. The I in the word faith stands for intercedes. Faith intercedes. It reminds us that Jesus right now is interceding for us. He's at the right hand of the Father. Hebrews 7.24, therefore... He is also able to save to the uttermost. Some of you need to get saved to the uttermost. And I, I, I know what I was saved the old religious way where I said a prayer and then went on living like the devil. I'm not, I'm not going to get into a big once saved, always saved thing. People ask, well, your chief believes this. We've never made a statement about it. But I will get, make a statement that you need to be saved. And if you're really saved, there shouldn't be a question. Because if you're really saved, there should be a change in your life. There should be some sort of a change. 
And I really wonder that time I said that little prayer. And I just went on just kind of doing my own thing. I don't want to take that kind of chance. And especially when that life of those, that one year or so was so uncomfortable. Trying to live in the world and trying to live for God. Trying to kind of pull Jesus out of my pocket when I go to the Fellowship of Christian Athletes meeting and say, hey, look, I'm a Christian. And then afterward, get drunk as anybody else and put him back in my pocket. And whether I was a Christian or not, I don't know. But it was just, that lifestyle's terrible, straddling the fence. Not comfortable. I'm telling you, it is exciting when you go all in. God's not the kind of God like Burger King where you have them your way. I'm telling you, if you, that's part of your struggle right now. Just let it go. Just surrender to God. And I'm not talking about being perfect, but you know the difference when you really just say, okay, God, I want to go after you. I don't know where all that come from. First service didn't get that. <laughs> Hallelujah. But Jesus is interceding for you right now. He says he's the author and the finisher of your faith. Jesus is. He's standing in the gap. He's praying right now. He's interceding for you. He is touched with the feeling of your infirmities. He knows what you're going through. He knows what it is to be tempted. He's praying for you. Good to see you, George. Father just went to be with the Lord, didn't he? Amen. I remember him coming over to my house and uh, just cheering me up and trying to fix my plumbing and all that. Amen. Grace to you and your family. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus is praying for you. He's standing in the gap. If we'll only believe. The T in the word faith stands for tithe. Faith tithes. Ooh, now we're going to talk about money. How did I get there? Because so many things about faith are intangible. But your finances are very tangible. I mean, they're connected to us. But look at Abraham, the father of faith. Genesis 14, 20. This is before he got his promise. He's just been through a big battle and saw victory. God delivered him through it. And he said, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him a tenth of all. Abraham tithed before it became the law. Just an act of faith. And I'm telling you, tithing gets God's attention. It really does. It's one of those things that says, I trust. It's a very tangible thing. And I just I always have this thought because I started tithing back when it was tough. And it's always kind of tough. But once you see God move on your behalf, man, it's, I'm excited because there's an expectancy comes when I'm able to give. And all I'm returning, the Bible says that tenth is holy. It's the Lord's. So that is not even mine. I'm just returning to the Lord every Sunday. Anything after that is what I'm giving. But tithing will get God's attention. It'll open the windows of heaven. How could you trust God to do a miracle healing in your body if you can't trust Him with some little paper money? I, I just, just saying. I mean, how can you believe for big miracles when you can't just trust Him with that paper stuff? And the Bible says that's the least of the things. That when He learns to trust us with that little stuff, that's when we'll begin to see the signs, wonders, and miracles. I really believe that. The H stands for hope. Faith hopes. That means it hangs on. It doesn't give up. In 2007, there was a duck hunter in Florida that shot this duck, and he decided to put it in the freezer and, and just wait to clean it and cook it. So he was in the freezer almost two days, and the wife opened the freezer door, and there's this duck looking back and forth. It was still alive. They took it to the vet, and, you know, they kind of nursed it back and kept it at this animal shelter. But, I mean, that little duck had to keep hope going to keep its little heart going. Sometimes... I mean, sometimes it's like that us. We're in a freezer. I mean, we're just about out of energy to pray. I mean, it's hopeless. It's dark. 
But I'm telling you, you can live without a lot of things, but you can't live without hope. I'm telling you, hope, hope. Don't Listen to this verse. We already read it once. I'm going to read it again and add the next verse. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we also have access by faith into this grace which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only that, we also glory in tribulations, because we know the end, that tribulations produce perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Hope. Mm -hmm. Romans 15, one more verse. Romans 15, verse 13 in the Amplified Version. May the God of hope... So, oh, the Amplified Version, kids. <laughs> May the God of your hope so fill you with all joy and peace in believing through the experience of your faith that the power of the Holy Spirit, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound to be overflowing, bubbling over with hope. A lot in that scripture about believing, about faith, but even about the Holy Spirit. You know, there's two gifts. God gave out one today, and some accepted. It was a gift of salvation. Because it's not by works. It's an act of faith that these people took, an act of faith, and walked up here and met God. What about the other gift he has for you? The baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Is this one of those tongue-talking churches? Yes. But you probably won't hear it now because there there's order. And it's a prayer language God gives you. But I experienced this 20-some years ago. And before that, I was saying yes to everything. Not good stuff. Because I didn't have the power to say no. When, I, when somebody prayed with me, and here was the prayer I was praying before I got filled with the Holy Spirit. It was a prayer. I was just in my heart saying, God, there's got to be more. There's got to be more to this Christian thing. There's got to be more of you. And I was thinking that in a Bible study, and a guy leans over, puts his hands on my shoulder, and says, you want more of God, aren't you? And I'm thinking, woo. And then I heard him speak in tongues. But, you know, we've been looking at that in the Bible. You know, being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues is a normal thing. But with Christianity and religion, it's become the abnormal thing. Laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover should be the normal thing. See, we've got so far from the normal that we accept the abnormal. And all I'm saying is if you want power to be a witness, I'm telling you, I went from fear to being bold. It's available. And I'm not going to push it on you, but you're going to have to seek it out. Get in the book of Acts and find out. Come through our Connect class. Come through our Spirit-Filled Life class. And hear a former Baptist who got filled with the Holy Spirit who now is running a church of 1,000, probably 20,000. I don't know how big that church is now. I'm telling you, power of the Holy Spirit. It's like, you know, a glass. When you, when you get saved, you have the Holy Spirit. Because you need the Holy Spirit to recognize that you're a sinner and you need a Savior. But are you really been filled? It's like taking a, a glass of Coke and just filling it until it just starts running over. Running over, being baptized, filled, bubbling over, as that scripture said. That's available for some of you today if you'll come to the altar and just say, I want to be filled with God's Spirit. They'll do like in the book of Acts. They'll lay hands on you, say, be filled, and then it's up to you to just get a thought other than English and speak it out by faith. So faith fights fear fights facts, fights fatalism. Faith accesses this grace available to live this life. Faith intercedes. Faith trusts. It ties. Faith hopes. Smith Wigglesworth, made, he makes, how many knows who Smith Wigglesworth is? We wind this up. Great man of God. Many people raised from the dead under his ministry. I mean, limbs grown out that weren't there. A leg that grew out. 
He born in the late eight, or mid-1800s, died in the early 1900s. I mean, just, uh, and only a sixth grade education and a plumber and a great man of God. He says this, how can one come to possess great faith? Now listen, here's the answer to that. First the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. Faith must grow by soil, moisture, and exercise. Faith's like a muscle. I mean, start by praying for your dog to be healed. Then pray for a headache. Then, I mean, the lion, then the bear, then the giant. I mean, first you just got to keep praying and praying. I've prayed for quite a few dead people. I'm serious about that. I, just quick into one, way back in New Boston, I spoke at a girl's home to young teenage girls, and I was just excited because, I mean, they were getting saved, and it was just exciting. And I would go back, and there's an ambulance and a guy that was, wasn't breathing. And I know the whole situation. I know he wasn't breathing, but I just asked, could I pray for him? And while they're getting stuff ready, I just said a quick prayer, and he did one of these. And I go, oh, my gosh. It kind of scared me because sometimes you don't expect anything. And they put him in. I don't know what happened with that situation. But I was always challenged by some, a guy that was on the power team. His name was uh, Ken Henderson. When they'd see auto accidents, they say, man, there's an opportunity. And I started doing that. There was an accident out here on the highway, a big one with about three ambulances. And I just went there and just started praying. And I can always use the, hey, I'm a minister. And if anybody needs prayer, I pray for people that were waiting there to see what would happen. I'm telling you, God will give you opportunities if you look at it. But it's like a muscle. You just got to work it. Amen? I want to share just two more minutes, a story by Smith Wigglesworth. And it's, it's, it's a message that he's preaching. But listen to these words. I think it'll really help you. And then we'll close. This is his words. I want to, because there's a faith that takes us so far, but there's a gift of faith. You know, there's another faith that he's talking about. I want to show you the difference between our faith and the faith of Jesus. Our faith is limited and comes to an end. Most people have experienced coming into the place where they have said, Lord, I can go no farther. I have gone so far, I cannot go on. But God can help us and take us beyond this. I remember one night being in the north of England, I was taken into a house where there was a young woman lying on her bed, a very helpless case. Her reason was gone, and many things were manifested that were absolutely satanic. She was a beautiful young woman. Her husband was quite a young man. He came in with a baby in his arms, leaned over, and kissed his wife. The moment he did so, she threw herself across the other side of the bed, just as a lunatic would do. With no consciousness of the presence of her husband, it was heartbreaking. The husband took the baby, pressed the baby's lips to the mother. Again, there was a wild frenzy. And to the sister who was attending her, I said, have you no help? She answered, we have done everything we could. I said, have you no spiritual help? Her husband stormed and said, spiritual help? Do you think we believe in God after we've had seven weeks of no sleep with this maniac condition? If you think we believe in God, you're mistaken. You've come to the wrong house. There was a young woman about 18 who grinned at me as she passed out the door, as much to say, you can't do anything. But this brought me to a place of compassion for this poor young woman. And then with what faith I had, I began to penetrate the heavens. I was soon out of the heights. I tell you, I have never seen a man get anything from God who prayed on the earth level. If you get anything from God, you'll have to pray right into heaven for all you want is there. If you're living an earthly life, all taken up with sensual things and expect things from heaven, they will never come. God wants us to be heavenly people, seated with him in heavenlies, laying hold of all the things in heaven that are our disposal. I saw there in the presence of that demented girl limitations to my faith. But as I prayed, there came another faith into my heart that could not be denied, a faith that grasped the promises, a faith that believed God's word, I came from the presence of the glory back to earth. I was not the same man. I was confronted by the same conditions I had seen before. By this time, 
It was in the name of Jesus with a faith that could shake hell and move anything. I cried to the demon power that was making this young woman a maniac. Come out of her in the name of Jesus. She rolled over, fell asleep, awakened in 14 hours, perfectly sane and perfectly whole. I'm telling you. I don't want to just talk about stories from hundreds of years ago or 20 years ago, but what about right now? I mean, we, God healed Robin's arm. What else does he want to do today? I believe he's going to set some people free, heal some people. The atmosphere is here. It's ready. There's people praying for this service. God's wanting to. One last statement here by T.L. Osborne. Both sickness and sin came into the world through the fall of human race. Therefore, we must look for the healing of both in the Savior of the human race. God is willing to heal believers as he is to forgive unbelievers. Know this, if he was merciful enough to forgive you when you were unconverted, he's merciful, merciful enough to heal you now that you're in his family. Amen. We've already dealt with the salvation and people got saved already. Now do you need healed in your body? We're going to stand, we're going to sing once through, our altar team's coming up. Do you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you need power to be a witness? Power to say no to some things? Do you need to be set free from anything? Has something got a hold of you and holding you back from God's best? Do you need to get saved to the uttermost today? And maybe just come kneel before God and say, hey, I need to get more serious about this thing. Let's stand to our feet. Altar team, come forth. Thank you, Jesus. I believe God's word says signs will follow the message. They'll accompany it. So I'm believing for whatever you need today. Tell that person. And altar team, I want you to listen to me just a second. Altar team, I want you to just to wait a second. Ask them what they want, but just wait a second. Just don't lay hands on them right away. Just wait for that unction of the Holy Spirit and just heaven to kind of come down and then just, you know, touch their shoulder, grab their hand, whatever it is, and believe for God just to move through you to them, whatever it is. And maybe it's something you prayed for before. Why not today? You never know when it's going to be that moment that heaven will just bust through for something. And I'm believing for that today. I think we had a prophetic word from one of our uh, prophets in the church. That said, really, just what do we want to believe for? God wants to do it. Amen. Let's go ahead and sing once through. Altars are open. If anybody else has a word of knowledge or wisdom, let Travis or myself know, and we might hang around a moment after this.